Well, I'd like to start by just saying I'm very thankful to be here, especially after having a sabbatical this past summer and being away. God really worked in my life during that time, and I know he continued to be at work here in Fellowship Church. In fact, I know there are a number of you who started attending this summer, and you may not know who I am, which is fantastic. Uh, my name is Carl Durley, and I actually work here. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship, and so special welcome to you if I'm meeting you for the first time. I hope to meet you in person soon. So today I'd like to share with you some of what God did in me during that sabbatical, because a sabbatical for a pastor is not just for that pastor. A sabbatical is actually something that is for the overall health and life of the church. It's something to be a blessing to that pastor and to that family, but it's also something that we're all a part of. We hope that the strengthening and the encouragement that I received would be something that I can use to be a blessing uh, to each of you as well. So it's something we're all part of. I wanted to share some of that uh, during this message here today. Uh, before I go any further, I would like to express my deepest thanks to the elders of our church and to this congregation of fellowship for all of the encouragement and the prayers uh, that you've given to me and to my family, the support and the care, um, praying for us while we were gone. I have missed you, and so it's really good to be here. I was so thankful. It's my first sabbatical experience in about 29 years of, of uh, serving the Lord in ministry, the last 12 of which have been here at Fellowship. Um, I'm so thankful to be back. I'd like to express my thanks to the other pastors and staff as well who picked up responsibilities of mine while I was gone. Um, I really appreciate that work. You're, you're wonderful to work with always. Uh, thank you to the worship ministry and the tech team and ministry leaders for adjusting to me not being around. And I'm, I'm thankful to John Shimp for doing a wonderful job leading worship faithfully week after week and doing such a great job for that. It's a great community to be a part of, and I'm thankful uh, for all of that. Let's have a word of prayer uh, about this message that God would use it uh, to build up his church. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that we can draw close to you. We thank you for the nourishment and the care that we find in your word. Pray today, Lord, that you would show us uh, more of who you are, more of your truth, and let it take root in our hearts in a way that will bear fruit. I thank you, Lord, that, um, that you have plans for this service even here today some of which has already been accomplished and some is yet to come. Whatever you wish, Lord, whatever you will, may it be done here the same way that your will is done in heaven. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when the elders first drafted their sabbatical policy over this last year and they approved of, of uh, my sabbatical this summer, they had a goal that I would come back feeling rejuvenated, refreshed, and renewed. And I said amen to that. I mean, that's what I want too. I want to come back rejuvenated, refreshed, and renewed, and ready to go, ready to serve here. Um, so that's what I wanted. So I, I planned for a long time, uh, many months actually, it was about a year and a half of really thinking through what's the best way to use a sabbatical time uh, so that I would return feeling rejuvenated and ready to serve the Lord. So I'm pleased to report that a lot of the goals, that sub-goals that I met underneath that overarching goal uh, were met, and I feel very 
um, thankful for the way that, uh, that it all came together and how that investment that uh, this church has made in me uh, is bearing fruit and continues to. One of the first and foremost goals I had, of course, was to disconnect from the regular busyness and ministry schedule and the demands of ministry schedule and to draw near to God in a very real, personal way. That was really my primary goal, is drawing near to the Lord. So I thought a lot about what are the best ways to pursue this? How do you, how do you go after that goal? And so I started back in May with a five-day solo camping trip in the Adirondacks, uh, alone in nature, by myself, with no cell service for five days. Now, for some of you, you think that sounds like a dream. Some of you, it sounds like a nightmare. But for me, it was a dream. It was wonderful. I spent more time praying in one week than I think I probably have in my whole life. I spent more time reading scripture than I probably have in one week in, in my whole life. If I was tired, I took a nap and then I woke up and I enjoyed uh, just being alone with the Lord. Uh, it was restful, it was solitude, it was quiet from the noise of life. And I'm also thankful that when I returned, that didn't stop. I continue to seek ways to draw near to the Lord when I return. So through the rest of the summer, uh, uh, healthy patterns of scripture and prayer and taking time to kind of get away um, continued. Another goal that I had of this sabbatical was connection with my wife and my family. Um, some of you are in a similar stage to me where I have some kids who are moved, and moved out of the house. They're, they're adults and, uh, and, and a couple at home. Uh, my fourth son went away to college just a, just a week ago. So um, really wanted to spend time reconnecting with my wife and my kids, my adult kids and my grandchild. Um, and uh, we did this primarily through road trips. Uh, the Ministry of Road Trips. We did about 9,000 miles of driving this summer, and I loved every bit of it, 18 different states, uh, lots of time together. And my favorite time are the spontaneous conversations that just come up, you know, with my adult son sitting right behind me, and just some subject would come up, and we could talk for a long time about, uh, about whatever that was. So I don't get to see my adult sons as often. I really, um, that was a highlight, and I'm very thankful for that. I was able to spend several days with my oldest son and uh, working on a building project at his house. So I got to sleep over and just work dawn to dusk on this building project with him, uh, working and talking together. Uh, we had time to visit with extended family as well, my family in New England, uh, my wife's family in different parts of Pennsylvania. We got to attend worship services with them, which we don't always get to do. Uh, so that was a real blessing, and I'm very thankful for that. I had a reunion that came together with my roommates from Christian College, and uh, it's about 30 years since we've all been together, and it was so great. And those men are all still walking with the Lord. Uh, we stayed up late sharing with each other, talking about what we've been doing for the last 30 years, and uh, we ended just praying, praying for one another. It was, it was so encouraging and, and just did a lot for my soul. Another goal uh, that I had was healthy patterns of rest and exercise and, and learning to have downtime at home, um, developed some, some healthy habits there. I did a lot of reorganizing in my life. You know, my basement and my garage look a lot better than they used to. Um, and then I came back only to find my office had been beautifully renovated by the wonderful design team. It was, it was perfect. It was so great to come back and just... Uh, just have that uh, sense of organization uh, there. 
I had a lot of time to reflect and to pray about my life, consider what matters most and how to spend my life well. And several times people have asked me, well, what, okay, you had this time. What did God really do in you? What did he teach you during this time? And I think that's a great question, and I, and I have an answer for that. I would say from, from day one, actually from the first couple of hours when I was in the car by myself driving to the Adirondacks, there was one theme that stood out the most. And it has to do with the difference between doing and being. Because we are human beings, but our lives are filled with all the things we have to do. I was thinking through the difference between what I do for a living and all of how I spend my time and, and being diligent about, uh, about the things that I do and developing as a pastor. Uh, but then I also was thinking a lot about who I am as a person, doing versus being. You see, we all have a whole long list of things we have to do in life. All day long, we're doing stuff. Doesn't matter what your job situation is, your life is filled with doing stuff. But it's so easy to neglect our being, who we really are before the Lord. And we need to nourish and develop both of those so that our doing and our being are keeping up with each other and walking side by side. And when scripture talks about this deepest part of our being, who we really are, the term that scripture uses is the human soul. It's the soul. The human soul is a real thing. You have a soul. Sometimes the Bible, um, actually the Bible talks about the soul a lot. Here's a few of the different places, but it talks about it much more than this. In Deuteronomy 6, God tells his people, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. Jesus later affirms that as the greatest commandment, the most important thing. If you got one thing right, this is it. Love the Lord. And part of that is to love him with your soul. So your soul is so important, it's part of what Jesus calls the greatest commandment. Psalm 19, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. So we can draw a couple of things out of this. First of all, the word of God nourishes and revives our souls. And also we can see there are times that our souls need reviving. Our souls can suffer. Our souls need the word of God. Psalm 42, the psalmist speaks about a particularly troubled time and he's talking to his own soul. He says, Why so downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So we see our souls can suffer. Our souls can be troubled and in turmoil. And in this case, the psalmist is reminding his soul, you need to remember to continuously put your hope in God, or else the soul will suffer. Psalm 84, it affirms that the soul longs, even faints for the Lord. There is a hunger and a need in our soul. In the deepest part of who we are, there is a need for God. 
So this concept of the soul is a very biblical idea, and there's many more verses where we could look. But here's the reality. A lot of times our souls are neglected. And if our souls are not attended to, if we allow them to remain in turmoil and remain in need of revival, if they're not cared for, our souls can suffer, they can wither, they can be downcast, they can be in need of restoration, and the consequences of that long-term are very severe. And what happens is, in your being and your doing, if you don't care for your soul, your being will lag behind all that you have to do. And you'll just continue to do things and do things. Meanwhile, your soul is suffering. And at some point, that is unsustainable. At some point, you start to feel spiritually hollowed out in the inside, like I'm just checking off my to-do lists, but I'm withering away on the inside. It can lead to personal crisis. It can lead to spiritual crisis. It can lead to collapse. If our souls are not well, but then life continues on just doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff, then life will become hurried and stressful and empty and meaningless, and we're just filling our days with busyness with nothing under the surface to sustain it. Our being has to keep up with our doing. And it's so easy to neglect our being and just continue doing. Our souls need to be renewed constantly. We must pay attention to them so that our being and doing are advancing in equal proportion to each other. Or else at some point, your soul will be crying out for help. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 116. And these verses will also be on the screen. But Psalm 116, I'm going to read the first nine verses. This is where the psalmist is talking about a crisis of his own soul. Here's what it says, Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. This psalmist was experiencing a severe crisis, a crisis of the soul, and he cried out to God for help. Oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul, he said, and God rescued him. So in verse 7, 
Here is what the psalmist says to his own soul. And remember, these words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. So let me ask you, is this what you need to hear today? Is this why the Lord has you here today? Do you hear God calling to you from this text? Return my soul to your rest. Your soul will not find rest by working harder. Your soul will not find rest by striving harder. Your soul will not find rest by trying to squeeze more activity into your day. Your soul will find rest by returning to God. Being, not doing. Being with the Lord, not doing. You cannot sustain your life by doing, 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 while at the same time neglecting your soul. Your soul needs rest, restoration, revival, and you cannot find it by just working harder. God is calling your soul to find its rest in him. As Psalm 23 says, the Lord restores my soul. He's, this is what God does, and it's what only God can do. The cure for a neglected soul is to return to the God who is inviting it to find his rest. You see, for us, rest in God is not a one-time event. It's not just what happens on the day that we put our trust in Christ. In verse 6 in this chapter, it says that God had already saved him. And then in verse 7, he reminds his soul, return to your rest. Almost as if maybe he had forgotten along the way. Do you know what that's like? You're just keeping up with your schedule. You're just, just going through life and checking things off and going to appointments. But then, oh, I, I, why do I feel so neglected in my soul? Return, he says. Return to your rest. In other words, rest is to be ongoing. As we constantly return to the Lord to remember who we are, more important than what we do. In verse 2, he says, I will call on him as long as I live. This is an ongoing call and an ongoing invitation. And in verse 9, he says, I want to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He wants to go through every day of life walking before the Lord. God is calling your soul to return to its rest in him. And to live that way day after day after day. To live at rest before the Lord. A healthy soul will sustain you in everything that you have to do. If it keeps up. If your being keeps up with your doing. A healthy soul will help you serve well. This is a need that we all have. That our being and our doing have to, have to, be, uh, have to stay together. But for a pastor, this is especially critical, if I could just 
Take a minute and, and address that for many reasons. Now listen, I wish you could all have sabbaticals. If you want me to call your boss, I will. And I'll say, it's a really good idea. But one of the reasons why I believe pastoral sabbaticals are especially important is that this connection between being and doing is is exceptionally deep. There's an emotional and spiritual connection of everything that you do as a pastor. Everything that I do as a pastor in ministry involves my soul. Like it, it's, it's a part of it. But it's still distinct. Being and doing, they're still two different things, but I, I have to serve out of a healthy soul. And one of the worst things that can happen is a pastor gets busy and they neglect their soul and it lags behind and they're just doing and doing and doing and doing and soon they're serving out of something other than a healthy soul. And when that happens, it can be disastrous. You can imagine, it can be disastrous for that, for that pastor. It can be disastrous for their family. It can be a disaster for the congregation. I mean, it has to be that way. You have to serve out of a healthy soul. They have to be linked together. But it's very easy to let the soul be neglected. See, in the pace of ministry life, Sunday's always coming. That's one of the things, you know, we, we joke about uh, on church staff. It's like, Sunday's always, like, right there. Like, and it's not just Sundays. There's ministry to people, uh, opportunities that, uh, to serve people, and that, that pace never slows down, and that's okay. But if you neglect your being, if you neglect rest in the Lord, if you neglect your soul, it can lead to ministering out of a hollow shell, And that is a disaster. Add to that the fact that pastors often are in the middle of spiritual battles every day. We must be diligent about doing the work of the ministry, but we must care for our own souls. See, there's Carl the pastor, and I want to do a, I really want to do a good job. I have a job description. I'm learning, I'm growing, I want to develop, I want to study more and learn how to be a better pastor. I want to keep on developing and growing and learning how to spend my time and be more diligent. Um, All of that is good. That's all part of the doing part of my life. But then there's Carl the person. There's Carl the man. He's, He's just a guy, you know. He needs to be nourished by the Lord, needs to have a healthy soul. Or else my life could damage a lot of people. This is why I'm so thankful to this elder board and this congregation. We've made a difficult choice to institute a sabbatical policy and even just the way that you, in general, care for your pastors. You've heard the statistics about pastoral burnout. You've heard about pastoral crisis. You've heard of pastoral scandals. You've heard of pastors not finishing well, just just quitting the ministry entirely. And this church has said, not if we have something to say about it. And they've taken a stand to invest into the, the, the health of the souls of their pastors and that they get cared for, and we never, God forbid, ever reach any of those points. So it's important, which leads us to a very important question. How do you do it? How do you nourish your souls? Like, 
I, I know some ways to develop as a pastor. There's, there's things I can read and things I can do and people I can, uh, you know, seminars I can go to and people I can talk to and experience through the years. But how do I minister to my being? How do, how do I nourish? How do I have my soul nourished? What are the practical ways? Now, some of these practical ways I want to share with you what I've learned over this this uh, sabbatical, you and I might be different in some of these, in some of the applications, but that, and that's fine. But I want to share with you what I've learned and I ask you to consider, how can your soul be nourished before the Lord? See, in order to nourish my soul in an ongoing way, here's perhaps the biggest single takeaway of the sabbatical for me. Of course, we know that it's the Word of God that, that revives the soul. It's, the, it's Scripture and prayer and time with the Lord. And I had some great times of prayer and great times in Scripture, but for me, those times wouldn't have happened if I didn't have solitude. Solitude, for me, is a time where I deliberately set aside to disconnect from noise, to turn off or the phone or get out where I'm out of range like I was in the Adirondacks, uh, to quiet down my mind so that I can be receptive to what God is doing. So I know, I know for me, I need to build into my life regular rhythms of getting away by myself. That's simple. I need to plan for it, I need to put it on my calendar, and I need to do it. Now, there's daily time with the Lord. Amen. That, that's needed. But more than that, I have decided I need once a week about a block of a few hours where I'm just by myself. Once a month, a block of a full day. And once a year for multiple days. That's what I'm setting out to do, very practical. Uh, one daily time with the Lord, once a week, a block of a few hours, once a month, a block of a full day, and once a year for multiple days. So this is the pattern that I'm setting out to do so that I can disconnect, have solitude before the Lord, and allow him to minister to my soul so I can be receptive to it. This is how my soul will return to its rest continuously. Return to your rest again and again. Let me illustrate it this way. When I was little, my family had a cottage in the Adirondacks, a little summer house that didn't, it wasn't insulated or anything. So every year, we had to close it up for the winter. So we'd put the boards on the windows and uh, drain the water tank and, and uh, you know, just kind of button everything up on that cottage. And we'd leave it vacant for the winter months. And in the spring, after the snow melted, uh, we'd all go there and pull the boards off and uh, I remember every year walking inside this cabin that I hadn't been in for many months. And it sounds funny, but there's this distinct sort of smell or sense of this cabin that had been vacant. Maybe you've experienced that, uh, going into a vacation house or something. Maybe it's just the settled dust or uh, maybe it's the stagnant air inside. I just remember that sense. And when I was in the Adirondacks uh, on my camping trip solo, it felt a little awkward at first, honestly. It felt a little strange. You know, you turn off all the noise and then you just sit there quietly and you kind of feel like, well, what should I be doing right now? You know, like I can't check my phone. I can't, uh, there's no emails to check. There's no social media. It took time to settle and, and that's normal. It took some time to kind of settle and, and be okay 
being with the Lord and not actually doing anything. You know, at times of prayer, I, I had to tell myself, it's okay to have a time of prayer when I don't know what to say. Just be, be with the Lord. I settled in, I got past that, and it was such a good time. And then it dawned on me as I was talking to the Lord about it that it was kind of like that summer house. It felt like it had been stagnant for a long time. And I immediately felt very sorry. I told God, I'm so sorry, I love this. I love being with you. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't be this vacant cabin for months at a time. I don't want this to be my summer house. I told God, I want to live here. I want to move in here. Not in the campsite in the Adirondacks. A little bit. But I want to move into this place where solitude with God is just a normal part of my life, and it doesn't feel so strange. I mean, I've prayed and I've read my Bible, of course. But for me, this time of solitude was different because everything else was closed off. And I could just breathe and be with the Lord. I don't want times of solitude with the Lord to be a once in a while, but a regular routine. And it could be at home or in a park or wherever, extended blocks of time to be with the Lord as part of my regular routine. So that's one just huge takeaway uh, for me, and I hope it encourages you. The second thing I learned during this time, as I already suspected, is that the constant noise of life is a problem. Time wasters, time fillers. I don't know what yours are. I know what mine are. If you don't pay attention to it, they'll just fill in all the gaps of your day. And so you'll end up spending your whole day and never stop doing stuff. And if you never stop doing stuff, how can you be caring for your being, for your soul? We don't need to fill every moment of our day with noise. Whether it's TV or scrolling or whatever, I have to discipline the noise in my life and use them intentionally as good things. See, it's one thing to, to have a TV show that my wife and I like to watch and setting aside and saying, let's watch this show together and we watch it together. That's a good thing. But it's very different to just fill my time with whatever's randomly scrolling, just flipping. Like, what am I really looking for? You could do that for hours and I don't feel any more rested anyway. Constant activity may lead to a neglect of your soul. Return, O oh my soul, to your rest. A third thing that I, I believe God showed me during this time is that solitude is good, but isolation is unhealthy. See, there's a difference between solitude and isolation. Solitude is a deliberate um, setting aside of time, a deliberate habit for the purpose of rest, to reduce noise, to be with the Lord, and to nourish your soul so that you can return. Isolation is just a cutting off of relationships, and that's not God's design for us. Isolation is a separation from relationships, and during this, this summer, some of the most encouraging times that I had were those times of being strengthened in my soul by being with family, uh, my, my old college roommates, 
letting conversations happen spontaneously, spending time in fellowship with other believers. So solitude and fellowship can be part of the same life, and they should be. Isolation is unhealthy. Verses 18 and 19, it says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. See, this writer, is, he's not intending to be isolated. He, know, he finds his rest in the Lord, but he intends to go into the congregation and to share and to live his life before them. To care for my soul, I know I need that solitude, but I also know I need healthy relationships with other believers. And just go back and forth to those healthy relationships, times of the Lord, and let that be how I live. A healthy soul sustained, nourished by time with God and nourished by fellowship with others. That's how God has designed our souls. Lastly, I'd like to share one more thing that uh, God was doing in me. In uh, In this psalm, verse 15, this is a familiar verse. It's in this, the context of this psalm. He says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servants. I spent this summer considering my life. I found some old journals from some of them like 30 years ago. I don't journal a lot, but sometimes I, I did off and on. And I just read through what God was doing in my life when I started in pastoral ministry and then Maybe went through some difficult times along the way. I just did a lot of reflecting about my life and reflecting about what, what's ahead for me. Just reflecting on the privilege it is of serving God. And I considered my life and I considered my own death. I just thought about whenever that day comes, whenever the Lord has, what do I want to be said of me on that day? I'm 51 years old. When I started in church ministry, I was about 22. And someday in the Lord's time, I will finish my race. So I want to spend my life every day, every month, every year, however long the Lord has, serving the Lord so that when I finish, I'll finish well. God has been so good to me. He's brought me this far, and whatever he has left, I want to serve him well and grow and develop as Carl the pastor and work hard at the work of the ministry with all of my might. And at the same time, in equal proportion, I know I must care for Carl the guy, Carl the person, simply being at rest in relationship to God allowing him to constantly renew my soul so I can continue my work. So I just want to ask you to consider your own soul. Is your soul healthy or is it starving? It's not about vacations or sabbaticals or or stress at your job. Life is always going to have a lot to do. The question is, does your soul need to return to find its rest in God? Are you at peace before God, or is your life just full of 
striving and doing and doing? Or is it trusting and resting? Are there choices that you need to make to reduce the noise in your life and to return to the rest that God has provided for you? Life is not going to stop being busy, but God is calling. Return, O my soul, to your rest. It's okay to be with the Lord and to not worry about what to say or what to do. Just enjoy being His. Remember what Jesus said? For those who are weary from all the work, for those who had heavy burdens, who were heavy laden because of what they were carrying on their shoulders. Remember what Jesus said to them. Come to me, and you will find rest for your souls. It's okay to be at the feet of Jesus and not worry about what to say. You don't have to impress him. Sometimes it's better to just be with him. Church, we have to pay attention to our souls. We can't let our busy lives cause us to neglect our souls. Stop striving, set aside times to nourish your soul. Build healthy relationships. Let God nourish your soul. I think it's important that we just have a a moment to take a breath before the Lord. Would you just join me and bow your heads and, and close your eyes and let's just have quiet for a moment before the Lord. Just be in prayer for God and bear your soul to him. Here is the word of the Lord. Let it nourish your soul. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Let's take a moment before the Lord in prayer. ministering to our soul. We stand together. I'm finding myself 
at a loss for words and the funny thing is it's okay the last thing I need is to be heard but to hear what you would say word of God speak would you pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise. All that I need is to be with you, and in the quiet, to hear your voice, word of God speak. we draw near to you, Lord, because of Jesus, we're welcome with you. You don't cast us away. You don't neglect us. You don't put up with us. You've invited us to draw near. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. Pray that each and every person would have the experience of you restoring their souls so that they can serve you well and serve you with every moment of their lives. Bring glory to yourself. Strengthen us as we go. Thank you for your church. Through the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray together. Amen.